Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern Bar Cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome to episode 147 of the Modern Bar Cart podcast. I'm your host, Modern Bar Cart CEO, Eric Koslick. Thanks for tuning in to this interview episode where we have super serious conversations with super serious people about super serious spirits and cocktail subject matter. Our guest this time around is friend of the pod, Chris Kurtz. You may remember him from way back in 2017 when I interviewed Chris for episode 21. That was a long time ago. And now he's back to talk about a few of his latest and greatest projects, including a competition that has taken the Instagram community by storm and an app that's already making waves in the cocktail world. But before we dive into all that jazz, let's take a moment and give you the chance to make yourself a drink. This episode's featured cocktail is the Sidecar, which has a special double meaning in this interview. Now, we did feature this cocktail once before, but there's a bit of a twist that I'd like to elaborate on, which requires a bit of a history lesson. The Sidecar is one of those cocktails with somewhat contentious origin stories. It's not as cryptic as the Martinez or some of those other Jerry Thomas era drinks, but it has its share of intrigue. The sidecar was believed to have been invented sometime in the very early 1920s by a bartender named Pat McGarry, who worked at a joint called Buck's Club in London. However, another gentleman with a lot of pull in the Prohibition era cocktail scene decided to wheedle his way in and steal some of the credit. That man was none other than Harry McAlone, proprietor of Harry's New York Bar in Paris, which is the birthplace of such storied drinks as the Bloody Mary and the French 75. Now, here's why this history lesson is necessary. Originally, the sidecar was an equal parts cocktail, as published in Harry McAlone's 1922 book, Harry's ABC of Mixing Cocktails. So, in terms of the ingredients, that would come out to about one ounce each of cognac, Cointreau, and lemon juice, which are obviously the bones of the sidecar. This has come to be known as the French school of the sidecar. However, in 1930, London bartender Harry Craddock published his legendary Savoy cocktail book, which offered a two to one to one ratio of cognac to Cointreau to lemon juice. This of course came to be known as the English school of making the drink. Now, if you're asking me which version I prefer, of course, I'm going to lean toward the English school because it most closely resembles your classic sour ratio. And this three ingredient drink really does want to be a sour, in my opinion. The mellowness of the orange liqueur is the perfect mediator between the zippy lemon juice and the rich cognac. And to be honest, my main concern with this drink being in equal parts is that it turns out both too sweet and too sour at the same time. When you do this, the cognac somehow becomes the mediator between the lemon juice and the orange liqueur. And if there's anyone who's supposed to be driving the motorcycle this sidecar is attached to, it really should be the base spirit. Anyway, give us a shout out on Instagram or Facebook to let us know which version of the sidecar cocktail you prefer, and please 
Just because it's called a sidecar doesn't mean you should drink one before your next motorcycle ride. In fact, how about definitely don't do that? We'll return to the sidecar later on in this interview for a more technologically advanced reason, but for now, let's go ahead and give you a preview of what's to come. In this wide-ranging conversation with Chris Kurtz of the Home Bar Awards, some of the topics we discuss include how Chris fell back in love with the spirits and cocktail industry and fused it with his love of marketing to build a number of extremely popular cocktail Instagram accounts, what the Home Bar Awards are all about, including how to participate in this wide-open competition and what some of the monthly challenges have entailed to date. The way that Chris went about creating connections in the service industry and how his dedication and hard work resulted in collaborations with some of the top bartenders in the world. His latest project, a cocktail rating app called Sidecar, see I told you we'd come back to it, and how this foray into the tech space can help people evaluate drinks at their favorite bars. Advice for taking beautiful pictures of the cocktails that you make at home. Which New Jersey drink to enjoy with legendary entrepreneur Gary Vaynerchuk, and much, much more. This was a super fun chat, and it only reinforces the fact that Chris is one of my absolute favorite people in the cocktail world. He's in it for all the right reasons. He works incredibly hard to do things the right way, which is becoming more and more rare in the digital space. And the platform that he's created for home bartenders is truly awe-inspiring. I know you'll enjoy listening to this one as much as I enjoyed recording it. So with that, please feast your earballs on this super fun second interview with cocktail ambassador, app creator, and Instagram maverick, Chris Kurtz. Chris, welcome back to the podcast, man. It's It's been a while. We meet again. Yes, we meet again, sir. Uh, so for those of our listeners who have not had the pleasure of listening to our first interview way back when, before this podcast was even a couple dozen episodes old. Uh, could you just uh, introduce yourself and uh, give our listeners a sense of who you are and what you do? Sure. Yeah. So I am the creator of Home Bar Awards. It is a global monthly bartending competition for people who make drinks at home, which sounds crazy. Um, and it is a little crazy. And sometimes I question what the heck I'm doing. But um, it has really caught on. We we launched two and a half years ago. We have 40,000 followers purely organically. I haven't spent a cent in that regard. Um, and as Eric mentioned, I was on this show a while ago. It seems like yesterday, but it was two and a half years ago. It uh, does. For, it does. <laughs> formerly known as Socktails. I ran an Instagram account with um, with fun socks in the background of the cocktails I used to make. And uh, let's just say my sock drawer got a little out of control back then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what, man, though? Like, I was thinking back, like, as I was thinking about our interview today, I was thinking about Socktails, and I, I dearly loved it. I dearly loved the Socktails. It was it was a perfect marriage of socks and cocktails, right? <laughs> like, it was, it was a double, it was a double-headed shtick that somehow was better than the sum of its parts, which I think is all you can ask for when you try and kind of like do a mashup like that, especially on a platform like Instagram. But I love knowing that that's where you came from when I think about the Home Bar Awards, because I think of things sometimes in my life as like a series of chew toys, like especially because now I have this new puppy and I'm like, oh, like look at him. He's practicing like that thing. And when I think back about Socktails, I'm like, oh, 
that was just a chew toy for the home bar awards. Um, so why don't you talk, what, to take us through a little bit of that story and like how and when you maybe decided to make the uh, make the leap there. And, um, you know, you, you did mention impressively that you haven't spent a cent on like advertising or acquiring in the sketchy ways that one can acquire mm. followers. Like, so like, how did you do that? Like what to what do you attribute that success and how did you build it? Yeah, it's so when I started Socktails, I, I always knew if you go back to the episode, I think it was episode 21. Um, I used to work in the industry. So I used to work uh, restaurants, bars, room service. I delivered room ser- service to Fab Mellow for the NBA fans in, in the room. Um, and I ended up getting out of it. It wasn't it wasn't this romantic, you know, working at a New York City cocktail bar. It was really a grind. And I got really jaded from that. And ended up backpacking with my wife in Europe and had kind of refound what I was interested in. And, and that became marketing. And uh, I ended up working for this company that serviced the bar industry. It was software for the bar industry. And I fell back in love with the industry. I, I forgot how much I really love the people. It's my tribe. I just, I know that. And um, I ended up, I, I helped grow that company from, I was, you know, employee number nine to 90 employees in a year. It was fast paced. We had a bar inside our office, you know, as, you know, as crazy as these startups get. Um, and then I ended up getting laid off from that company. And I had this, this moment, I just, I didn't know what to do because I knew I wanted to be in that industry. Uh, I remember driving, I took my car, I drove as far as I could get away to just kind of have this moment. I made it to West Virginia and Tennessee. And the one feeling that kept coming back to me was I don't need to rely on someone else to determine my fate. And that was that feeling that I just kept having. And also, I don't know if you're familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk, but I was listening to him a lot. I was binging his content and he's like, be patient. It's it's baby steps. So that's where Socktail started. And I, I think inside I knew that Socktails would not be the thing. It wouldn't be my ticket to get me in to the industry, but it was a start. It was that chew toy to, you know, get my feet wet, start learning about the industry in ways that I did not know. And along the way, I thought I saw all these cocktail competitions and they all required you to be a bartender. And, to, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's awesome. It is a completely different craft than what we do at home. But I was I was really yearning for a competition for people like me who made drinks at home. So that was a really long-winded way of saying <laughs> Socktails led to home bar awards. And um, luckily, I had some help when I launched that. So the guy, Jabin Troth, who runs License, License to Distill, Health me logic. He's mm. you know got a million followers now. Yeah, um, wow. Jeremy Jeremy Thompson from uh, um, he was director of marketing at Tales of the Cocktail. So um, definitely having connections helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know after launch it just kept growing, it just kept growing. I I look at my insights on Instagram. I get two hundred to three hundred to five hundred every seven days extra followers, and sometimes it boggles my mind. I don't know. Like there obviously aren't that many people talking about it. So I must've done something right with Instagram's algorithm that helps out, but um, it's, it's filled a void and, and it's done really well. Could you set up like maybe like a charity fund drive where you donate like a portion of your followers to me? Yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's talk to Instagram <laughs> about that. I'm sure they'd be really willing to, uh, to do that. <laughs> yeah. They seem, they seem pretty chill. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. so Gary V you mentioned Gary V is, was it, he or Seth Godin who got their start in the wine game? 
Gary V. Yep. Gary so, V. Right. Gary so v even even with what you were listening to, you got your roots kind of sunk in this industry. And I, I don't know. I don't know if during our, our first conversation we we necessarily um, dug into that, but it's um connections and I guess networking has always been a thing that I've been personally deeply either bad at or troubled by because I grew up in a family. Um, my grandfather had family businesses and um, my grandfather on the other side was a chef. And so it was very much like a blue collar working class family. And like the idea of networking was like, if you were to bring that word up, what the hell are you talking about? Networking. If you're networking, you're not, you're not working, right? You're, yeah, you're exactly. out schmoozing, yeah. right? So yeah. like, so, I, so before we move on, I, I actually did, this is a personal question is like, for me, the podcast has been an excellent excuse for it. So I've gotten much better at it over the past couple of years, especially since you and I last spoke on the podcast. But for those of our listeners who might be sitting at home right now, because I have a feeling that this current lockdown situation might be giving some people a little bit of ants in the old pants situation. So for somebody who's sitting there thinking like, God damn, like I want to start something, but I feel like I'm too poorly connected. Like, is there any, any advice you have to give about like the process of making connections? Because that's what Instagram is ostensibly about making connections through content. And that's what you've done an incredible job with, with the home bar awards. Yeah, so I'm just curious. You you make a really good point about networking, and I think when people think of networking, they think of a cocktail party where you're schmoozing. And I don't think, yeah, exactly. I mean, we kind of are right now, and I, we may have made the same drink, but we can talk yeah. about that in a little yeah. while. Um, but it's not it's not about schmoozing; it's about being intentional about your actions. And I was thinking back to when to how we discovered each other. It was actually on Reddit. Now that's mm -hmm. not networking in the traditional sense of the world, the word, but I was using the channels at my disposal that that were important to this industry and mm -hmm. um, the subreddit cocktails. I think was what I was when I posted. I can't remember what the heck it was, but um, that's how we connected, and that mm -hmm. is is the example of networking. And you're going to do a lot of things. You're going to post a lot of posts on on Instagram or Facebook or whatever channel where you get nothing back. You're, you're, it's going to feel like you're just screaming into a desert and that that's part of it and then there you know every once in a while something's gonna click and i think instagram is fascinating because it's it seems huge it is huge i mean there there are you know hundreds of millions or maybe billions i don't even know at this point but when you find your your tribe your people there are people who are very responsive to a direct message um when we when we get into you know some of like Souther teague and and those connections I didn't know him. I didn't know anyone who knew him. It's it's less about networking, but being smart about the actions you're taking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you know, one of the things that you just mentioned, like you know, it's, uh, sometimes it feels like on uh, some of these uh, platforms like Reddit, you're just screaming into a desert, uh, or even worse, you're screaming into a desert full of hostile trolls. <laughs> hostile, um, yeah. Those are actually maybe the best places to go because when you do have a positive transaction, you know, it's like, oh, okay, this passes muster. Like I can add, mm -hmm. this is something worthwhile. Like if it, if it, if this has gotten through the noise and the chaos, maybe I should pay attention to this. So that, that's kind of cool. I hadn't thought of it that way before. 
Yeah, and you have to know your audience. Like I, I'll post something on Instagram that gets because I've also been growing my personal brand, Cocktail Chris. I've been investing a lot of time in that. Mm-hmm. I'll post something there that gets 200 likes, which is a lot for me. Like I don't have, I'm nowhere near home bar words level there. And then I'll post it on Instagram, and, I, and you know I'll get three upvotes. And you know, vice versa, something on Reddit, you know, a poorly taken photo gets 300 upvotes, where on Instagram it gets 50 likes. So you have to understand what is the audience expecting, mm-hmm. and and be willing to accept what comes of that. You can't you can't just ruminate on the, on the results of this. Post it, whatever you want to post, and move on, and get on to your next whatever you need to do next. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the things that that uh, definitely rises above when it comes to that sort of thing is is quality, and and quality can take many forms, right? Mm-hmm. So with with your socktails posts, it was like. Um, some of the quality with the with that account was like the pairing. It was literally you. It was a cocktail pairing, but instead of pairing a cocktail with food, you were pairing it with a mood, a piece of clothing slash accessory, and maybe some other aspects in the background of the photo. And I think that is what resonated a lot. Um, so I think you know to recap, just for folks, uh, some of the things that we were just mentioning, like if you're gonna try and do something the right way which is the way that, that Chris has, has done multiple uh, successful accounts on Instagram. I, I would say, you know, obviously know your audience. Um, quality rises to the top. and you, But it, it doesn't do it consistently because, again, you're going to have those Reddit posts where you post it at the wrong time and it's going to uh, fall to the bottom. It's going to get two upvotes and it's going to seem as if no one cares about you. But if you experiment enough and you stay consistent with the quality, you're going to hit and things are going to start to pick up momentum. So, yeah, I think that's really good stuff. Um, With the Home Bar Awards, can you talk about the structure and like you you said it's a monthly, A, it's global, B, it's monthly. Besides being global and monthly and a a competition for home bartenders, how is it structured and like uh, how do people get to participate? Because I have a feeling that our audience is probably like a great group of people who might want to start throwing their hats into the ring uh, in this project. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's super easy to participate for one. Every month we, we put out a challenge. It's been a different challenge every single time to date. And you have to have a public account. That's the only thing because we have to be able to see it. You use hashtag home bar awards and that's the way that we go through all of this, all of the submissions. So if you have a private account, unfortunately we can't see that. Um, but otherwise, as long as you adhere to the rules, which are, are pretty straightforward uh, most of the time, and it's a photo, like it's you got to be able to see the cocktail. Sometimes we'll get submissions where you, you can't really make out that it's a cocktail or it's um, maybe uses too many filters or something. But other than that, you just adhere to the rules and post and, and we're very willing to to repost anything. It's um, I, I think last year, yeah, it was last year I had changed the rules to repost only what we considered finalists and it felt wrong um, but mm. I had committed to it for that year I wanted to be fair to the finalists and everyone that had you know had done you know I adhered to those rules um, but you know after, after doing that I decided 2020 um, everyone has a fair chance as like I said as long as you can make out the cocktail and it's a decent photo we'll repost it because that's our the whole point of home bar words is connecting this community it's elevating people who do this and invest their time and resources into into making beautiful cocktails um so it's you know we have forty thousand people and all you have to do is is add that hashtag to one of our one of our monthly challenges and and you're in 
So what percentage, like, so, all right, so let's say we just discount the photos where you, where they're just like too, like saturated with filters or you can't really make them out. If it's a good photo of a cocktail and it hits all the check boxes for the monthly challenge, what percentage of those end up getting reposted? Uh, probably 95%. 95% Whoa. unless unless I really miss something. Sometimes people will tag the account and not put it in the hashtag, which of course is appreciated. But at the end of the month, what I'm doing is is literally just going on Instagram, putting in that hashtag and scrolling down the feed. And just mm -hmm. the, the crazy part, and I have a, a, a new judge with me this time, Carlos. He's, he's helping out in 2020. And it's crazy going through the hashtag and trying to understand which one is a submission and which one isn't because people are just using it as, you know, just a, a relevant hashtag for cocktails now, which I love. Oh, I'm flattered by, but like drinkstagram. Exactly. It's the same thing. So um, Dude, you've been, you've been Kleenexed. I had, yeah, I've been Kleenexed. I'll take that as a compliment though. I'm, and I'm a huge, I use a lot of Kleenex. So, you know, <laughs> there we go. Maybe my next account, Kleenex and, and uh, cocktails. Nice, man. Um, wow. So 95% of these these photos get reposted, which I mean, again, to, to me, that's a huge quality indicator. Um, you know, I was I was asking it and I if you had said maybe 10 to 20%, I would have been like, oh, cool. Like that's a that's a non-trivial percentage. But like you're saying like 95%. See, this is what's intriguing to me because you, your pitch, your your one sentence elevator pitch was this is a global cocktail competition for home bartenders, right? But now you're explaining that it's also like this discovery platform for like-minded individuals through you, facilitated by you. So like... Yeah, that's crazy, man. That's that's you know. I, so I, so let me let me give you a little bit of like my um, understanding of the Home Bar Awards because I am not. I have six email addresses that go to my phone. <laughs> I have a weekly podcast, long form. I have manufacturing and all this other stuff that I manage and or execute myself. So like I don't spend nearly as much time on Instagram as, as, as some people. So I was aware of the home bar awards. I enjoy your content as, as a, as a viewer, but I didn't realize what went into the execution of it all. And, and I'm just, uh, almost awestricken at the fact that, that you're not only, um, creating this, this, uh, creativity spark, on on the reg right monthly monthly source of creativity for people to go out like a challenge for them to go out and and expand their skill sets as home bartenders but also you're you're acting as this megaphone for everybody and and that's huge um how does it feel like honestly like just uh, like take a step back and like look at it like how does it feel it's i mean the the words you just said were take a step step back and that's what i don't do enough of i think um, what I what I keep thinking of, like my my role, quote unquote, because we're on video right now, but um, is chief bottle washer because it's <laughs> it seems like this glorified romantic job. Honestly, most of my time is spent going onto Instagram, downloading photos, going onto our judging app called Podio, posting them there, and then I use my phone. I have to then download the photo on my phone to repost because. It may sound stupid, but I, I just don't want that repost branding. You know, they have like re, reposting mm -hmm. apps mm -hmm. and stuff. I don't want right. to pay for that. 
Um, and there's also, I also need a place to judge the entries. So that would not mm -hmm. serve as a place to judge it. Um, so there's a lot of time at the, at the time of this recording, I've reposted almost 1700 uh, posts on Instagram. So it's, I've, you know, I've done hundreds of hours of going through these, these cocktails, but um, I do take a step back. A lot of times people will just message me out of the blue. I just got one the other day. Uh, I reposted a first time participant and they were over the moon. This person's in Belgium and they were just over the moon that home bar words reposted it. And it's, it's just really refreshing because that, that is the goal is to bring more people into this community. Mm -hmm. um, I think people think because they don't have a, a nice camera that they can't participate in on Instagram. And if you look at the photos, I mean, sure, there are, there are a lot of people who have, you know, like a macro lens, but there are a ton who don't. And, and you, you have just as much of a chance as anyone else. That was one thing I wanted to set out from the beginning is that you don't need this thousand dollar camera to win here. And that that's really mm -hmm. important to me. Yeah. So I think this is a perfect segue, right? So we've talked about kind of like the overall shape of the home bar awards. We've talked about the reach, which is uh, incredible, especially when you pair it with the, the literal work that goes on behind the scenes, the manual work on your end. But would it be possible for you to take us through like almost like a case study, maybe one of the recent month's competitions? Talk to us about like maybe the, I don't know if there's like a, a winning submission that was particularly memorable for you that you can kind of like explain your thought process of like, all right, here's how, like here is are the types of submissions that we got. Here's why this one stuck out. Here's why it won and here were the judging criteria, because I, I know people, I, I feel like people right now, I, I feel like I've got listeners behind me right now. I'm alone in my condo, <laughs> but I feel like people are behind me, like sitting there like, all right, how am I going to win this contest? Yeah. <laughs> so walk, walk us through it. Yeah. Um, I feel like sometimes the, the challenges sometimes get weirder and weirder every month. Uh, I remember someone, someone told me when he first started zig when everyone else zags and that that really stuck with me. Like, don't do Valentine's Day cocktails for the month of February. Like, throw that out the window. Let's do something crazy. So for February, the, the challenge was freeze the beets. And the whole the whole goal was to use beets in your cocktail. And you have to, it has to be a frozen drink. So, like, oh, who wow. in their right mind makes a frozen beet cocktail? And then all of a sudden, you get, you know, 60, 70 submissions of people freezing beets. And the winner of that month, uh, Jeremy Downer, down, his Instagram handle is Downer on the Rocks, one word. He was the 2019 Home Bartender of the Year, so he won the whole thing. He actually froze a pair of Beats headphones. And I haven't, I haven't really talked to him about this yet because I feel like it may be a little, little salty about this. But he won, he won for February, not because of that. I mean, that was creative. But his drink, the presentation, the staging, everything that goes into it, um, it was just, it was over the top and I don't care if it pisses people off. Like I, it, that's kind of part of, I, I just love that we push the boundaries so much that it probably should piss someone off because that's what we're doing. We're trying to push the limit here, um, while still retaining, uh, cocktails that have integrity and that would taste good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what was the drink that, that he submitted? Like, it, I, did, did it, I'm assuming that it didn't actually contain Dr. Dre's headphones. He might be able to answer that question. I don't, <laughs> the, 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 uh, the headphones looked intact. 
Um, I can't remember the exact recipe, but what, what stuck out to me was that he used, he, like the beats played a central role in it. Um, I noticed that a lot of submissions would be, um, one of them used beet sugar. And mm-hmm. I think that's clever, but you know, the point was to really make sure that you could taste the beet and that it was part of the flavor of that cocktail. Mm-hmm. And that stuck out to me, the color of his, his drink stuck out to me. And one thing we do different this year than the past two years is rather than having just a first, second and third place, we have categories. So he was best overall, which is, you know, formally first place. And then we have best photo, best recipe, most innovative, best concept. Um, And all these things are defined on the website so you can see them. And as you can imagine, best recipe is, is the hardest. This is all done virtually. We have a general idea of what a cocktail would taste like. Um, the only time we taste them, at, so for 2019, for the Home Bartender of the Year Award, Jeremy got got his drink on the menu at Amoria Margo, which is you know awesome, my favorite cocktail bar. Uh, we we can talk more about that, but we did a tasting, so we had three final. Was final that um days. big 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 place, high ceilings, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just you know it just <laughs> echoes. <laughs> um, yeah, so we tasted we tasted the finalists there, which was really cool because you, oh, you never really get dope. to taste them. And then we did a live Instagram with Souther Teague there and Eric Job, who used to work uh, for Mori Margo, and we got to taste it and you know really feel good about giving him that award for 2019. Oh, that's great, man. That's great. Um, so it seems like, uh, as the competition grew, you were able to add more layers to it. Like it wasn't just like a single monthly winner. It's uh, now you've got categories monthly mm-hmm. and then, um, how do you culminate it? Do you culminate it in December? Like at the year end? Because I feel like that's like potentially good because people have a little bit of time off, but potentially tricky because of travel. Like how, how do you work the yearly aspect of it? It does. It, it does feel weird because we did the first year we did all 12 months at a competition and then no sorry yeah all 12 months at a competition and we overlapped the the overall competition and it it was confusing like people were clear about Mm -hmm. that it was confusing so last year we did 11 months of challenges the winners from those 11 months competed in december we didn't do a monthly challenge like we would in december and we got ahead of it as much as we could to give the the participants a chance um, to think of their drinks. And um, it, it worked out much better that way. It gave uh, the people who were not part of the finals, it gave them a chance to kind of take a breath. And, you know, I thought about what would a real cocktail competition be like? And you have final round. It's almost like March Madness where you, you kind of find you have regional finalists and then you get down to the final finalists. Mm-hmm. And there was more of like this audience factor of people kind of oh, looking what's yeah. going on and kind of rooting for their favorites. Um, so that was really exciting. And um, I, I really liked that way of doing it. Damn, that's really smart, man. I, I like that. I mean, I like the 11 months with a break. Um, and I, I especially like the I like that that break also has an incentive for the people who weren't necessarily advancing to it. And the incentive was all right, no pressure, right? You got travel, you got family stuff, you got whatever you're doing during the month of December when it's crappy weather out anyway and different, you know, in much of the country. Uh, so why not just get to just kind of like enjoy and yeah. interact and just, and learn without without that little bit of pressure on yourself. Um, and I feel like that allows for even more connection. It'd be, it'd be awesome to see if you could like do a deep dive on those stats and see like what... Um, 
like what transpired in the um like the Inter- Instagram insights for that month. I feel like that would be November. Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. I think and it's I think it's really important anyways whether you're in the cocktail world or any social media to to just take a break. And this is something that I'm that I'm really passionate about because back in July in August I'd gone to Italy and there's there's not much Wi-Fi, there's not much internet and I probably didn't post for like two weeks or something like that. And it was clear. And I, I swear to God, I, I think still now I'm seeing some of the the negative effects of not posting back then. You you have this snowball effect of, of constant posting, Instagram rewards, constant posting, Instagram rewards. And then you take just a couple weeks off. And I've talked to the amateur mixologist who won in 2018. He had this same exact um, effect happen to him when he took a couple weeks off. So it's like, you have these competing forces of Instagram algorithm and then mental health insanity mm-hmm. beating against each other. So I think I feel good about having December be this kind of take a breath. If you want to still post on your Instagram, you can, but it's also a time to take a break. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. And it's, it's, it is kind of indicative about the times we live in, which is honestly, it's something I want to talk about. Um, you know, I feel like people have COVID overload right now, um, which is the case for me for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like my all seventy five percent of my customers are either making hand sanitizer or shut down right now. So, like, I get it. I think about it way too much as is. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- what have you seen since this whole situation has taken hold? Because everybody is suddenly a home bartender now. <laughs> Right. So like, yeah. so like, what, what do you see now? And what are you, um, what are you looking at, like in terms of the home bar tender or the home bar awards moving forward since everyone is now like, all right, it's not baking bread on Instagram, which is the, you know, the fad of two weeks ago, but like, I feel like, you know, I feel like home bartending is also like one of these things that's on the rise. Like, uh, what are you seeing and, and how do you think that, um, things are going to proceed from here out? Um, there are two clear things to me, at least one, it seems every single time I log into Instagram, there's someone going live. And I think that's so cool. Like I, I love, and it's a lot of times it's the dual, like you did with Charlie from element shrub. Yep. (laughs) I was a very avid participant. We probably talked about spanking mint a bit too much on that, but that's all right. Yeah. Spank it right. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I see people doing the, the double Instagram live all the time now, which I think is great. It's, um, it's a lot of education. People are focusing on education. And I guess this is kind of in the same vein, but I've noticed industry people who are, who are not working right now, they're, they're doing a lot of the educating, which is really cool. And that was always part of the goal of Home Bar Awards was to kind of bridge this gap. We, we know that we will never be bartenders. Like that's, that's not the goal is to pretend that we're behind the bar because being behind the bar is a totally different craft then sitting at home, having hours to plan out a cocktail, stage a photo. Like it's a, it's just a different skill. But I, I did think that there was a way to kind of bridge this gap. And that is happening all over the place. I see bars that would never divulge recipes, divulging recipes online, because the only way they have to connect with people right now is, you know, if they can get people to make their cocktails at home, that's a win. When there's mm-hmm. when there are very few wins for the hospitality industry right now, that's a win, and I, I think that's really cool for them to be able to do. Yeah, and you know, so one thing I'd love to talk about is that you you mentioned Southern Teague, 
right? Amoria Margo. I was lucky enough to actually visit there with the aforementioned uh, Chazzy Birkinshaw. Uh, we were, we actually went up to um, to Manhattan to do uh, the fancy food show last year, or yeah, I think it was the fancy food show where he was doing exhibit, and I kind of went and just uh, ran the bar for him since he was doing cocktails and and uh, mocktails there, but. During the evenings, we were free to roam Manhattan, so we got to go visit uh, Amoria Margo. Uh, I've done a review of Souther Teague's book on the podcast. I've chatted a bit with him on social media, but um, it's a it's a legendary bar. It's in the past 365 days, he has opened a second location for it, as well as several other bars. Uh, it seems like you have a pretty good foothold in New York in terms of collaboration. So you, you mentioned the one that you did with Amoria Margo, but you said that you're also pretty excited for something that you're doing with um, existing conditions. Can you talk about that bar, the people involved, and and, and also the, the collaboration that you're doing? Yeah, that's and that, that's kind of a tie into what we were just talking about and that mm-hmm. the more I think about this, it, I would love to do monthly collaborations with industry people, even when this whole thing's over. I think it's it helps me better understand the industry and um, just having that third judge in the room who, who really understands cocktails is really important. So the existing conditions collab is with Jack Schramm, who is the head bartender there. Um, may, people on the podcast may be familiar with Dave Arnold. He, he wrote liquid intelligence, which is like, and I, I say this in the best way possible. It is a science textbook for cocktails. And I love it so much because I wish my my high school science class brought this book out because it's you know it's a lot of that that scientific method, but he applies it to cocktails, and he ne- he's never under the impression that you need to do things a certain way. He's just presenting the evidence and saying if you want to elevate, if you want to do it a certain way, at least you know how you can do it. And I think that's incredible. And Jack Schramm having Mm -hmm. lived, I mean, worked under him um, at Booker and Dax, which which was Dave Arnold's first first bar. Um, If you read the Punch article about Jack, his first day he was using a centrifuge, which just boggles my mind because centrifuges are not cheap. They're actually fairly difficult. It could be dangerous to operate if you do it wrong. Uh, So what we're doing with him is in light of, we're calling it transformation. That's the challenge. And you have to take some sort of ingredient and transform it somehow from its unadulterated state. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, infusions would count, but we're talking to you know the head bartender at existing conditions. So we really want this to be something really cool. I mean, we've been throwing out um, acid-adjusted lime juice, like stuff where you're getting really nerdy. If you're not using it scale, you're probably not doing it right. There's probably something there. Uh, mentioning bricks and ABV, like all that sort of stuff. So we do expect people to get really nerdy on this one. And we're uh, I'm so excited um, to be partnering with Jack. And again, that was all an Instagram direct message. I just messaged him. He's got time on his hands. And, and the collab started. Within 24 hours, we were ready to go. So do you plan on um, uh, jumping on the Cooking Issues podcast with Dave Arnold uh, to uh, interrupt this collab? If, if, he, uh, if he would have me, I, I, I would try my best to, to, to get in that ring with Dave Arnold. They're all remote. Uh, do, do you listen to that podcast? 
Um, I I have. I'm I'm like making my way through all of the industry podcasts right now. Yeah. Um, that one has come up so many times for me to listen to, but I'm making my way through Speakeasy uh, with Southern Teague, of course, uh, Bartender at Large. Uh, mm-hmm. Eric Yang, yes, er, er, Eric Castro, Eric Castro, Eric Castro, yeah, yeah um, Eric which he's just he's just a joy to listen to. So uh, right. that's that's next on my list, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, you've already listened to all of ours, so we won't Ooh. even mention that. Yeah. Obviously, every day when I wake yeah. up, people do yoga. <laughs> I listen to Modern Barkart. Of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, cooking issues. It's um, yeah, it's part of my weekly uh, listening diet. Uh, I called into cooking issues once. Oh yeah. Um, because I had a question. I, I was like very frustrated with my pepper mill. Um, and so I called in I was, I like looked at, it was like weird. I was like frustrated with my pepper mill. I like literally looked at the time on my phone and I was like, Oh, cooking issues is live right now. Cause they broadcast through a heritage radio network, which is actually oh, yeah. like an actual radio network when, mm-hmm. when it's not in times of COVID. So I like called in and, uh, I asked my question, I'm like, hey, so my pepper mill is pretty bad. Like, do you have any recommendations? And the first thing that Dave Arnold says is, um, okay, do you have access to a 3D printer? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, of course, of, of course I do, Dave. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So it's, anyway, so I've been uh, mortaring and pestling my ground pepper since uh, I was that, ask that if you got situation. A 3D printer. No, I no, 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 gracias. But uh, anyway, it's uh, it's it's very like the cool thing about um, that uh, about Dave and existing conditions and 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 Jack as sort of like a an, an apprentice now turned you know master through Dave is that you know one of the things that they always say is that you know we're the masters of getting that last five percent in there, like the five percent that nobody cares about. And so when you were talking about the challenge this month, I was like, oh. It kind of sounds like that's exactly what you're trying to push people to do. Like, oh, okay, well, infusions, great. But that's not that last 5% mm. that really gets people over the finish line. So if anyone's listening, Modern Bar Cart community, you want to submit to the Home Bar Awards, <laughs> maybe this is a little hint on how you get into that finalist group in the judging. That would have been a great name for the for the challenge, actually, the, the last 5%. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that. So... This has been this has been awesome. We've talked about how you've grown the home bar awards. We've talked about kind of, you know, some of the some of the things that are up and coming, how to submit all this stuff. Um, obviously Instagram is the platform for all of it. Maybe taking a step back like we did a few minutes ago. Um, my last like question in the interview proper here is is a is a timely question and I think it's an important one because I think a lot of us right now are like, oh shit, everything's awful. You know, we're all working from home. We're all, we're all, we all feel somehow handicapped in some way. And what I wanted to ask you and what I've been trying to ask a lot of people as we do these remote interviews is what's something that you're actively excited about? Because regardless of everything that's going on, there are still things to be excited about. And I think it's important for us in the spirit of the Home Bar Awards to also share like what what inspires us um, because I, I think that's inf- uh, infectious in a good way, <laughs> in a non-face yeah. mask way. No pun intended. Yeah, it's yeah. There's so many things that, like we talked about, socktails led to home bar words, and home bar words led me to you know the more I spend the more I spend time in this industry, the more I understand where the opportunities are. You my my long term goal is to get back there. 
And I still don't know if like home bar words is the, is that ticket. Like we talked about, um, I, you know, I've had a few sponsorships. It's enough for me to, you know, like pay for a new logo and pay for the LLC that I maintain because we're in the alcohol industry. Um, something that excites me is that, uh, I'm actually working on an app and this is, this is actually very relevant to, to the whole COVID situation. Yeah. Um, I, I'm an avid user of untapped. I'm an avid user of Vivino. I, I don't just drink cocktails as much as people might think. So I absolutely love wine. I've been on a Barolo kick lately and, uh, double IPAs. I live in new England. So we're, we're in a good spot for that. Are you a um, hazy boy? Where do you stand on I hazy? Love hazy trillium Ooh. and Treehouse are, are basically locals around here. If you're familiar Ooh. with those beers, man, they're, they're incredible, but they don't make me feel too great after a couple. So I, I keep those to a minimum. You like that orange Julius? Oh yeah. Orange Julius. There are a bunch of iterations on the, on the orange Julius too. green, super green. You know, they get, they get you know, all over the board. Yeah. My mom, um, my mom works for a company that does, um, yeah, she, she, she's not a, my mom's not a welder. She does the books, but, uh, she works for a company that, that did the, uh, all of the, the piping and all the pneumatics for the, the treehouse new, uh, oh, no new way. brewery. Yeah. The new facility. So, uh, I've, I've had the benefit of, uh, not through her, but like through, um, actually my, my brother-in-law who's a, who's a big treehouse fan. They, you know, I've, I've gotten to try all their, all their cool stuff. Whenever I go up for the holidays, it's always, I always do a beer swap with, um, with DC, DC, DC stuff nice. and I bring it up and then he grabs me some treehouse stuff. So big fan of what's going on in Massachusetts. Massachusetts is a better beer state than a spirit state, I would say. Yeah, I would, and, uh, and not to disparage some, there are some really good spirits, but yeah, the beer, mm-hmm. Trillium and Treehouse are, are legendary. I mean, Trillium's gotten yeah. uh, voted best beer in the world before. So it's like they, mm-hmm. they, they know what they're doing. Yeah, for um, sure. And I have a propensity for for turning short stories into long ones. And that whole yeah. <laughs> this whole tangent was to go back to there is no check-in app for cocktails. Um, and that's something that I've thought about. And and they say when you're building any piece of software or product, build it to be something that you would use. Um, and so I, you know, a team of us, this actually started over a year ago now, but we've been building it for about six months. And the whole point was you go to a cocktail bar, you drink a cocktail and you rate it and, and you have this community of people. It's less about um, presenting this beautifully staged photo like Instagram is, but you can go to a cocktail and as you rate certain cocktails, you build a flavor profile. So if you go to a new city, you can see which bars around you would have. If you're a big Manhattan guy, you know which Manhattans are good around you. So mm. just as we're about to launch for our beta, the entire industry and basically the entire world shut down. So we had to kind of think on our feet, pivot a little bit. And what we did was we allowed people to check in cocktails that they make at home. So the app is called Sidecar. If you make a cocktail, you check it in. What And what's complicated about cocktails is they're not scannable. A beer I can scan, a wine I could scan. You can't scan a cocktail. And you think about all the different ingredients people could use um, it gets it gets pretty messy pretty fast. Um, so I think our developer, Luke, I'm, I'm friends with him. He did a really good job of allowing people to search a database of what we have. If we don't have it, you can add it in. You can add ratios if you want. Um, and we just launched open beta a couple of weeks ago. We have over 100 users. And uh, I am super excited about that because it gives people a chance to to share what they're doing at home without that veil of needing to make it beautiful. If you've seen Ugly Delicious on on Netflix, it kind of reminds me of that. Like, 
don't worry about how it looks. Just This is just a log for you to keep track of what you're making and for other people to see that, for them to bookmark it. And then over time, you can click that uh, Koki Americano and see what other drinks are made with that right straight through mm-hmm. the app. So if you couldn't tell, I'm a little excited about that. It's a lot of database building, my friend. It sure is. And uh, I just get to talk about it and drink cocktails and let Luke deal with the uh, database side of things. That's awesome. Well, I want to circle back with you off air. Um, ha ha, listeners. Screw you. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to cut you in on my ideas for this, but I've got a, <laughs> I've got, so I've got something that actually might be interesting that I've been kind of working on. It's not in the app space whatsoever, but it, it does kind of, uh, it kind of doves, dovetails with like what people like to drink and why and, uh, mm. and why you, and, and how you might want to keep track of it. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll hit you up after we record here and maybe, uh, maybe down the road, this will be a, a fruitful thing for us to broadcast about, but that's awesome, man. So sidecar also like, Good name for the app. Thanks. First of it's, all, it's one of those things like you. We went through so many names. My my ultimate favorite name was Bon Vivant, but I thought about saying that to like someone's like, "What's your ad name?" And you say Bon Vivant, and they're like, "How do you spell that?" And that was not a game I wanted to to get in with. So no. like, I love the concept, but threw that out. We had a bunch of others, and Sidecar just stuck. There, there are a bunch of you know. It's obviously a cocktail. It's also when you get a martini and you have a, a sidecar on the side, they're a little extra. That's pretty cool. And mm-hmm. and just that image of driving a sidecar like a motorcycle, it's kind of like your cocktail sidekick, just that, that person next to you. But it's an app to help you drink better cocktails. Exactly. Uh, I think you picked the right name. Uh, there were many options, but I think you picked the right, not a right. No, that was that was the right name. So Thanks. awesome. Thanks. Um, is this is is this something our listeners can um, can check out via beta? Do they need to hit you up directly, or can they download this on some app stores? Yeah. So the way we're we're still getting used to Android, so it's live on on what Apple calls Test Flight. So you can you have to download Test Flight. It's how everyone beta tests apps. Um, but if you go to getsidecar.app, that app is now something you can add to your URLs. Um, you could go to follow me on Cocktail Chris, Cocktail underscore Chris. It, it basically leads to Home Bar Awards or Sidecar through my Instagram. You could find it there. Um, nice. So it's open beta is live for iOS. We were hoping to go live on, on Android. But, you know, again, due to coronavirus, they have a much longer approval process right now. So back in the day, it might have been a day to get approved. It's now seven days. Um, so even though it's actually ready to go right now, may- maybe by the time this airs, it will be ready to go. Um, but yeah, we're, we, we wanted to make sure we're building for both platforms because um, you know they're both important. We want to open this up to everybody. Well, if there's one thing we know, it's that the coronavirus targets Android users over Apple users. So. It does, yeah. And uh, based on your screenshots on Instagram, I have a feeling you're in the uh, Android group. I am. I am now. How, wait, no. Tell me. Tell me how you know that. Actually, seriously, <laughs> it's all about the font. I get tell them just by the font when you repost that it's iOS just doesn't have that font. <laughs> it's, oh, no kidding, man. Yeah, the things the you thing. learn. I, yeah. So I, I was an iPhone user until they started updating it like three times a year, and I became obsolete in like two months. Uh, so mm-hmm. I decided to uh, switch to the Pixel Camp, and I, I got it honestly mostly for the camera. Uh, I've had it for about a year now, the Pixel Three, and. Man, I love that portrait mode. I love that night mode um, with the the new puppy. Mm. Dude, I take super cute puppy pics now. Yeah. You can you can follow him at Blaze the Healer. B L A 
I-S-E, the French way. Ooh. Not, yeah, the French, he's, cla- he's a classy little puppy. Blaze the Healer um, <laughs> on Instagram if you want to see puppy pictures. Just a little shout out there. Wait, so they have um, portrait mode in, in the Pixel? <clears throat> they do. Dude, I love portrait mode. I love that blur. I love it. Yeah, see that, you know, one of the things that's changed, I, I used to use portrait mode all the time on iOS, but um, I did upgrade to a DSLR. And um, this is another thing that, um, just a word of advice to either home borrowers, participants, or people trying to just make a name for themselves on Instagram, you can find cheap DSLR cameras. Um, luckily, a shout out to Garnish Girl, who I'm actually friends with. Uh, oh, she's she, great. She had yeah. an old DSLR that she just gave to me. And um, it didn't have all the bells and whistles of a new one, but it helped me, uh, you know, kind of hone that craft and actually mm-hmm. understand if I liked it. Like, you don't buy a top-of-the-line guitar before you know how to play guitar. Same thing goes with cameras. So I was able to try that out. And then I found, like, a a, a Canon Rebel T7i on Amazon, but it was used, and I saved, like, $200, and I used the same lens from the old one. Like, there are ways to get creative and not spend a whole bunch of money. So I would encourage people to to look on Amazon, eBay, whatever. Facebook Marketplace is another great, great spot to mm-hmm. look for uh, more affordable ways to get into the photography game. For sure, for sure. Yeah, no, that's good advice. Um, so Chris, man, uh, this has been awesome. Do you have time for some uh, lightning? I sure do. I've been looking forward to it. Before before we jump in, we've been sipping. I'm I'm like I'm in the the bottom the bottom half bottom quarter of this this race. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what are you drinking? So I decided I, I re-listened to the the podcast interview from 2017, and I was drinking an old pal. So I and oh. I swear I don't think I've made an old pal since that episode. And not only that, I checked because I had posted the socktails post. I still have that same pair of socks, and I'm wearing the same pair of socks right now. So oh, oh chills! Yeah. I got chills. Yeah, I got so chills. Old pal <laughs> is um, there are different ways to do the ratios, but you could do basically rye or bourbon. Um, Campari and dry vermouth. So it's kind of like a Boulevardier, uh, kind of like a Negroni, depending again, which way you do those ratios. I snuck mm-hmm. a little uh, vanilla infused bourbon into mine, which is just fantastic. So Ooh, very happy with yeah. the result here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm drinking a, the, the, the very end of a, so obviously you're familiar with the Rob Roy, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're familiar with the Black Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Is there a name for the Rob Roy Black Manhattan, where oh. you take the scotch and you pair it with the Fernet? Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, uh, this is Lafroy Ten plus uh, you know two to one Lafroy Ten to Fernet um, Branca. Uh, it's one of those things where I knew that, you know this is where you know you know 45 50 minutes in right now i knew this needed to last me so i wanted to get you know something a little robusto you know there you go yeah that's that's not your uh first cocktail you serve to someone who's getting into cocktails <laughs> correct no this is Actually, uh, i'm i'm a masochist for sure oh yeah and i i kind of did a similar i got the the um what do you call this the whiskey ball in here because i know oh, yeah. it'd be here for a while so i didn't want to yeah. dilute my drink too much but i wanted it to stay cold so Beautiful. Well, the classy drinks all around. Let's uh, let's jump into this lightning round. So, um, you may have answered this a couple of years ago, but let's let's revisit it. What's your what's your favorite cocktail of all time and why? I did answer this. I answered the Negroni, and I'm changing my answer. I love the yes. Negroni, but yes. and this is not that exciting. But the Boulevardier, <laughs> and I'm doing two to one to one the Death and Co way. So, 
one and yeah. a half ounces of bourbon, uh, three quarters of an ounce of Campari and three quarters of an ounce of sweet vermouth. But I actually, I saw this recently using rye. I'm a huge fan of rye. Um, thinks uh, it goes really well in the Boulevardier. And you know what is so elegant about that very particular two to one to one is that it doesn't ruin the end math. It doesn't right. ruin the end volume because there's so many two to one to ones. There's so many like if you take your well, uh, Martini's a bad example because no one agrees <laughs> on the right formulation there. But like if you take um, you know any any um, established like a sour to think like a sour ratio. Oh yeah, and and all of a sudden you start jacking with like the amount of spirits versus the sweet and the sugar, and or if the sweet and the sugar are suddenly like off balance for some reasons, like that's a mess. It is, but, yeah. But but this like you're still maintaining, for lack of a better term, the wash line, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and the wash line, if if people don't know the term, is just you know, getting that level at your, at your glass, you know, the goal of a, of a good bartender and a good bar program is to know exactly what is coming out of, uh, whatever you're pouring so that it, it meets that line where the, where the glass ends. And that's, it sounds silly, but when you, when you think about presentation, if you serve a three ounce cocktail in a seven ounce glass, you look like you're getting gypped, even though you're not. That's why like my dad who drinks martinis, Sometimes I get a huge glass and it's, I know it's the right volume, but he feels like he's getting gypped, but he's not. So for listeners, uh, feel free to dig through the archives and check out uh, our episode called Mind Your Wash Line. It talks about this <laughs> very thing. It's friggin' important. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I start that episode by talking about a terrible Sazerac that I got that I could see it was terrible before it even landed on the table. So uh, yeah, yeah, beautiful and, and case that's, study. And that's another thing, like when you're taking photos, a huge tip that I look back at my old photos that I used to take man the the wash line it was like this little itty bitty cocktail in this huge glass and i i was so proud of it but looking back now I'm like what what was i thinking it 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 makes such a huge difference just having the right size glass for your cocktail for photography oh, for sure and sometimes smaller is better Absolutely. Uh, especially you know like uh this is one of the cases for vintage because <clears throat> in vintage, uh, you know, vintage glass or is just a smaller volume, but mm -hmm. um, a lot of the glasses were more ornate. So, you know, that could be a good, uh, a good tip for, you know, maybe, maybe if this um, episode gets into the, the ear balls of various uh, home bar awards folks who are not accustomed to the modern bar cart podcast maybe look into some of our episodes on vintage glassware and see how you can maybe source some glasses that will really make your your drinks look sexy because of the size and that way maybe you could you know like kind of rock the formulation side of things as well as the presentation because uh both are important that's true and if you if you look at any we just did um i'm in a drinks the fam group on on instagram and we pick a book that we um, we'll all make a drink out of, and we just did Savoy, Harry Craddock um, Savoy. And you look at these old recipes; they're very small, mm -hmm. and you have to you have to take that into consideration. But if you're finding vintage glassware, a lot of times it's the perfect size for what for what you're actually making. Yep, uh, I had um, my friend uh, Virginia Ferguson, who runs a vintage glassware shop across the river from us uh, here in uh, Alexandria. Her thing, her explanation of the three martini lunch is that it's the it's actually the rule of threes. It's uh, you know it's uh, should have three ingredients. You should be able to drink it in three sips, and you should be able to have three of them. 
right? Because they're that small. So, like that. Um, you know, originally that's, that's the three martini lunch was not the, uh, the three eight ounce martini, the three, you know, it's not, it's not like eight ounces of chilled vodka three times. It was like, yeah. all right, maybe eight ounces in total. If you're lucky in probably like, right. you know, eight, you know, so anyway, uh, moving on to the next like <laughs> tangents, man, we're good at them. Yep. You and I, we're good talkers. Uh, if you were a cocktail ingredient, what would you be and why? So I'm going to go with maraschino or maraschino liqueur, depending on who you're talking to and how you pronounce it. Because if you know anything about the improved cocktail, when you add maraschino just a little bit, it improves it. And I feel like you just need a little bit of me and it improves your day. It does, man. It does. Um, This is a weird question. I think of you as like a very sweet guy. You're like, I, you're, you remind me very much of a, of a guy I actually went to grad school with uh, shout out to Zach Hess, who I guarantee does not listen to this podcast, <laughs> but you and he are like, you look very similar. You've got a very similar gregarious personality. Um, what's it, you know, and, and kind of like along with that sweetness, what's it like to be a dad, dude? Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's so much fun, so much work and just so rewarding. Mm. Um, it's, I mean, it's different now that we, you know, we're all in this situation where we're home with him every single day. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the day was c- coming home from work and seeing him. But now I wake up and see him and uh, go to mm-hmm. work and I see him. And it's, it's actually pretty cool because we saw his first steps, which we probably would not have seen because he probably would have done that at daycare. Um, mm-hmm. So as much work as it is to have him, it's kind of fun. It, it, there's There's this level of... Um, of humanness that happens on our calls at work now, because if I've got a baby on my lap, people, you know, that, that wall is kind of broken down. They're like, Oh, he's got a baby. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it's just, it's a great feeling to have him around and have him learning and have him, have him drinking the cocktails that I, Oh no, no, no sorry. Yeah. No, oh. he's not, no, that's, we got a few years for that, but yeah, he's, uh, he's so much fun. He's, he's, so well, when, when he starts teething, you know, you put a little whiskey on <laughs> yeah. the gums, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, dude. That's I, I, one of the things I've loved about getting this puppy in quarantine is like, um, yeah, I, I used to work at this camp for kids who had a uh, open heart surgery and, um, it was very small, very intimate, uh, out in the Berkshires in Western mass. And one of the, my favorite times of the day, yeah. So just talking about sweetness, this is all coming from the Maraschino Right. We're, we're still on topic here, I promise. But one of the things that I uh, really appreciated was just like, you know, me and the other counselors, when, when they, especially the little ones, when they would all go to sleep and we just kind of like s- chill and just sit around, talk quietly and just make sure everyone was OK before we all went to bed. Just like listening and watching these little freaking organisms just grow while at rest. You know, I see the same thing when I look at my puppy and he's just passed out. He's just belly up, like licking something that I don't even know what's going on in his dreams. But like, I imagine you get the same thing. You get to see, you get to see, you know, the, the child at play, the child at rest. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like right now, one of the, one of the great things that people should be appreciating is the domestic life. And I think, you know, like as the, when I think of home bar awards, I think of like the absolute intersection of cocktails and domestic life all the good parts of domestic life you know yeah it's um it's you know part of the reason i was actually into wine for so long was because i had no time it's a lot easier to Mm -hmm. pour something out of a bottle than to to make a cocktail and actually i do mostly stirred cocktails even still because 
sure. shaking wakes the baby and <laughs> we don't want to wake the baby. So um, it's, it's crazy how even that has an impact on what I do with, with cocktails. And it, it's all intertwined, like you were mentioning. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Uh, getting into some questions that you may not have seen before. If you <laughs> were, uh, if you could have, well, this is the Widowmaker. So let's see if you got a different. If you could have a cocktail with anybody in the world, past or present, who would it be? Where would you go? What would you drink? Just paint us a picture. Yeah, I remember being super unprepared for this one, even though you had sent me the the question. I remember. And I was like, oh, man. oh my god! Like, what do I what do I answer? Anyways, that is the opposite this time. I've really thought it through. Last time was Alexander Hamilton. I was obsessed with Hamilton. I was reading the book, um, and as much as I, I love the history there, I'm going to go with Gary Vaynerchuk because we've talked about him. He's been a major inspiration. I know he drinks. He drinks wine. But um, if you know anything about Applejack, Applejack uh, actually comes from New Jersey, which is where Gary Vaynerchuk immigrated to. Um, so New Jersey, Applejack, I would drink a Jack Rose, and I would convince Gary V that he loves cocktails. And we could talk about wine and cocktails and business. And, you know, that I, I would really enjoy that. If you're looking for a really good Applejack cocktail besides the Jack Rose, check out the Diamondback recipe. Okay. I think I'm almost positive it has uh, Applejack. I think it's like a combination of Applejack, green or not uh, green, not green, a uh, yellow chartreuse and sweet vermouth. If I had to go back through my cocktail Rolodex, I think it's something like that. That sounds delicious. I'll definitely do it. It's that. pretty good. It's a very mid-Atlantic cocktail. It's got like the New Jersey. It's got like the the diamond, the Maryland Diamondback kind of the, I'm, I, I went to the University of Maryland for grad school, right. so go Terps. Um, there you go. But, but yeah, so check out that one. Yeah, uh, Applejack, underrated, a very American spirit, uh, and uh, Laird's. Laird's based Laird's, right in I New met, um, I forget her name. I met the, um, she just travels. She's part of the Laird family and she mm -hmm. travels everywhere and just talks about Laird. And uh, there's so much to know. I mean, that's the thing about this. This industry is, I look back on the interview from two and a half years ago. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know shit. Like, what was I even doing? But like my dad always says this, the more you know, the more you know, you don't know. And yep. two and a half years later, I've read so many books. I, I've, you know, listened to so many podcasts and I feel much more confident, but I still, I feel like there's so much to learn. There's so much to learn. Apple, Applejack being one of them, you can get just regular Applejack brandy, which only has to be 51%, uh, you know, apple based brandy, the rest could be. And then if you find the bottle and bond stuff, that's hundred percent, you know, apple brandy, you get really nice funk and apple. Um, mm -hmm. All this is to say, like, there's just so much to learn here and I mm. love it so much. Apple is my favorite distillate base. I'm a huge Calvados fan, and yep. uh, I actually uh, the, at at the last Tales of the Cocktail, I I attended a, a seminar with I think it's Lisa Laird, maybe. Yep, is that yep, that's it. Yep, yep. Uh, she was there with uh, some some other folks, and it was an incredible seminar. So yeah, uh, definitely look into Laird's. Good answer, man. All right, so uh, here's the new stuff. If you were a com or um, what is a common or traditional cocktail ingredient that you've never tasted, and why? So I did my research on this one. I actually went to a liquor store, mask on, of course. Um, yeah. And I just went down every single aisle. And I had a really hard time finding something that I had not had before. Um, but the one thing that stuck out, and I don't know if I have or maybe I just don't know it, but Old Tom Gin. I don't know oh. that I've had Old Tom Gin. And uh, I actually... Um, I just made 
what did I make? Uh, Hanky Panky the other day, but it was not old time gin. I made made it with regular gin. But um, my my buddy Carlos, the other judge in Home Bar Awards, um, said if you have it, make it with old time. But I didn't have it, and it's actually I I found it hard to find, which is part of the reason I haven't had it. So not only is it hard to find, it's like kind of a funky category because it was it was. Um, you know, it's it's almost like where gin and rum intersect because you can age it or you don't have to. You can add sugar to it or you don't have yep. to. Yep. And and so it's like it, it's like where gin kind of gets real funky and like all wild westy on us. And uh, you know, like if you go back and you read the imbibes of the world, you're like, oh, old Tom Gin or Holland style gin. I mean, it was, it was probably more Holland style gin than old Tom, because there are slight differences between the two, especially mm-hmm. when you look at the dissolute bases through time. But it was a big category that Americans were drinking back during the age when the cocktail finally broke into its, you know, its own thing. And, um, and yeah, so it's, it's still an interesting category. Um, when I was at ADI judging this past February, uh, there were a couple of old Tom gins, so they're out there. There are some old Toms currently on the market, but one of the things that we actually struggled it with when judging was like, what standard are we judging at here? Mm-hmm. Like, Cause usually there's a typicality standard that we judge at, you know, if it's, if it's billed as a London dry style gin, well then we want that juniper to stand out. But if it's billed as an old Tom, well, what the hell am I looking for? You yeah, know, because there's a lot tough. of stuff. Yeah. That's a very big burden on a judge, and it's something that we take seriously, especially in that competition. Because you know, when I look when I look at it, um, you know, it's like we want to do best by both the consumer and the distiller. So we want to make sure that our feedback consistently matches people who want something good with something that we think they will like. And so it's there's a lot of competing concerns, especially in a category where there's that little definition. So old Tom, fascinating answer. Something I would love to have an episode dedicated specifically mm, to. Yeah, in the that future. would be that would be awesome. Yeah. All right. Last big question here: What's an unusual or controversial view or belief that you hold in the spirits <laughs> or cocktail world? What, what's I, gonna I, What's gonna get controversial here? I love this one because it's gonna piss people off. And unless Good. if you don't know about it, but anyways, I don't refrigerate my vermouth, and I'm proud of not refrigerating my vermouth because I did. I swear to you, I did a blind tasting um, last year. I left a bottle of Martini and Rossi open for six months and i compared that to a freshly open bottle of martini and rossi um and my wife did the blind tasting made sure that i didn't know which was which and i could not tell a difference and i have very limited fridge space so if i'm going to commit to refrigerating my vermouth that means i'm going to commit to refrigerating every other wine-based ingredient that i have on my bar that's open coke americano port wine like you really expand that list very fast um, so I, I know there are going to be people who, you know, are very avid vermouth refrigerator people, but for me, it's not for me. Do you at least keep it out of direct sunlight? <laughs> no, I actually, um, I keep it in the south of my house on, um, perched up on a little, a little table. So it gets the <laughs> most amount of sunlight. Still tastes <laughs> Yes, I've been waiting for this moment because usually this is like a little therapy session where I get to tell people like, oh, that's okay. Like other people think that too. It's like, hmm, no, I think uh, I think Chris Kurtz just wants to see the world burn. Uh, wow. Awesome. 
I love it. Um, so what I take away from this is is most importantly that you did a test, right? So this is this I think is the most special part to me. It's because not only you you knew that you were going to break this rule, and so you tested it first, which I love. Um, <laughs> and then second, not only not only did you not refrigerate, you're like, nope, we're just going to put it right south facing window. Boom. <laughs> just, Let's get some just UV leave it right out there. Whatever it tastes like, I don't care. Awesome, awesome. Well, but they I don't know. Like there are these flavors like Rancio, this certain oxidized wine. There there's a whole huge tradition in the south of France and in Spain for intentionally oxidized mm-hmm. wines, not just oxidized through contact with oxygen, but also, you know, through the contact with the sun in like these open not open, but like um open to sunlight glass containers. The Rancio so, tech. Have you read about that stuff? The Rancio tech, it's like fortified ish wine. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot there's a whole there's like a whole region like in the south of France through Spain where they have like a bunch of them um uh bun bun uh um yeah I've been making a list kind of like casually and I want to get somebody on the podcast to actually talk about some of these wines and these fortified wines that are very rare in the U.S. and people really don't know about but they're very exciting to a lot of people in the beverage industry uh, specifically for high-end cocktail programs so you know there's a there's a guy named Jake Parrott through uh, an importer called House Alpens that they actually specialize in these things Um, so I'd like I'd love uh, I judged with Jake a couple years ago so I'm gonna see if I can get him on maybe talk intelligently about some of these varieties but you know i think like in that sense what does this tell us like you're basically you're defying conventional wisdom but yet there's a whole history of this sort of thing happening in europe so it's like you know chris i can't really fault you for it (laughs) yeah it's 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 one of those things maybe if i were an expert judge and i had tasted thousands of vermouths and i and i know the difference between these that's one thing. And it's another thing if you're running a bar program, but mm-hmm. I'm making mm-hmm. a drink at home and you know, I don't need that last 5% like Dave Arnold does and mm-hmm. Jake Schramm does. So um, to me, it's kind of like a, a risk analysis. Like do I want to give up that fridge space for mm-hmm. a 5% better cocktail that I probably won't notice because the sweet vermouth is now diluted by all the other things. In it. So, yeah. Well, and I feel like uh, when you are both the uh, the customer and the manager, if the customer complains to the manager, well, then uh, you get to self-mediate that dispute and it doesn't make you lose any sleep at night. And, yeah, and sometimes I do complain, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> it doesn't get anywhere. Awesome, man. Uh, well, Chris, dude, this has been uh, tremendous. I've, I've really enjoyed catching up with you. Um, I love hearing about the success of the Home Bar Awards. Um, could you just give our audience uh, just a quick recap of the ways to best uh, interact with you online and to also participate in the Home Bar Awards moving forward here? Sure. Yeah. So the, the handle is Home Bar Awards, one word on Instagram. The way to participate is as long as you have a public account, just add the Home Bar Awards hashtag. So hashtag Home Bar Awards, one word to the submission. The rules are always in our highlights. We always post them in our actual feed as well. So you can always find the rules each month. Um, and every month it ends on the, that final day. So it goes through that final day of the month. Um, so you can easily find us there. You can find me. My personal Instagram is cocktail underscore Chris. Uh, I also have a link to the Home Bar Awards there. I have a link to the Sidecar app there. And um, mostly cocktails there, some baby pictures. But, you know, got to throw those in. Oh, got it. Logie pierogi, baby. Logie pierogi. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, well, um, folks, uh, I I can't 
ask you enough to go check all this stuff out, uh, especially in these times when we're all kind of getting a little bit stir crazy. It's great to have a project to inspire you and get you creative, get you out of the house to maybe pick up a new ingredient. Uh, and this obviously, as, as we've heard over the past intervening hour, like this is, this is the real deal. This is not a bullshit, um, you know, um, competition. This is something deeply thoughtful, uh, with people, uh, who deeply care pulling the strings. Uh, so I, I, I can't advocate enough. I'm actually, I'm going to try, I'm trying to carve out a little bit of time, maybe in the next couple months, there maybe these next couple competitions, I'll throw my hat in the ring, see if I can punch my way to the top, <laughs> use some of my vintage glassware and maybe, uh, put, stick a puppy in the background for, for a little, little cheese appeal. Never heard. You know? Um, so, so yeah. Um, so please uh, just go to modernbarcart.com forward, sla- uh, modern forward slash podcast. Check out all the links. We'll, um, we'll connect you directly to all the stuff that Chris is talking about. And uh, otherwise, Chris, thanks so much for being on the podcast again. Yeah, thank you. And, and everyone listening, like this is, this is what I love about this industry is that Eric and I met on Reddit. Like we've never actually met in person. That will change once this is all over. I'm definitely going to make a trip down. But um, I, I love connecting with people. I love when people direct message. Um, I think it's I think it's so important for everyone to just be open and communicate and, and get feedback about their if they're pursuing photography and cocktail photography. This is this is what we're here for, and I I can't tell you how much I appreciate this platform to talk about home bar words and um, everything that's going on. It's it's awesome to see that support and. You know, I'm sure we'll we'll see you on some Instagram lives going forward. This this won't be the last time we, we talk to each other. Hey man, brother. Hey man. Thanks again. You got Cheers. it. Cheers. Cheers. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, there's two big things you can do for us here at Modern Bar Cart. One would be to tell your friends and family if you think they'd enjoy listening to us talk about cocktails. And if they don't download podcasts, they can always stream our episodes on their desktop directly from the show notes page at modernbarcart.com. The other thing you can do to help would be to head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars are great, but we're more interested in your feedback. And the beauty is, the more reviews we have, the easier it will be for other folks out there to learn about our show. We're trying to start a cocktail revolution here, and by spreading the word, you're helping us fight the good fight. You can always reach us by emailing podcast at modernbarcart.com if you're looking for cocktail or bartending advice, or if you're a pro who would like to pull up a mic and be interviewed for all to hear. Also, definitely follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Modern Bar Cart for cocktail porn, recipes, and entertaining tips. And keep an eye out for new product releases and special offers, which are happening all the time. We love our listeners, and we really enjoy giving you exclusive discounts and sneak peeks at our latest and greatest cocktail projects. This episode may be over, but for you, the mixological fun and adventures are just beginning. So remember, folks, drink responsibly and experiment boldly. This episode was made possible with editing and production assistance by Samantha Reed. Networking, photo taking, and app developing insights courtesy of Chris 
Kurtz, and a little bit of interview magic by yours truly. This has been a Modern Bar Cart production, copyright 2020.